The Listen In Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Please consider giving us a review on iTunes or following us on SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you give us a review or spread some love for us, word of mouth, um, and let us know on Twitter at level4 underscore media, we will, for a limited time only, and by that we mean really forever until we decide to stop doing it or we run out, send you by U.S. mail a Listen In Podcast sticker. That's right, a Listen In Podcast sticker to put on a laptop, a water bottle, a guitar, you know, whatever uh, your sticker conveyance is. So, uh, so give us some love and we'll do that. Let's start the show. It's the Listen In Podcast, episode 36. It is August 10th. And Frank Ocean still hasn't come out with his new album. No new album from Frank. And, you know, I can't say that I, nor anyone who knew of, of Frank's history uh, for, for teasing albums without coming, or really one album, without coming out with it, Boys Don't Cry, uh, is surprised. No, I'm not either. When I heard that this album was getting released on what would have been last Friday, the 8th, 7th, mm. 6th? Let's do let's do some basic math. Today is the tenth, and it's a Wednesday, which means up. eighth it is. Was, it was the sixth. The it sixth? was the sixth. Yeah, okay. should have come out on the sixth. When this got re- uh, announced earlier in the week, I was like, "There's no chance we're getting this album." I didn't expect to actually. Didn't feel have real. It. No, it didn't feel real because this has been teased and hyped for what three years now. Yeah, it seems like, and you know, I actually like that Frank himself or the website or whoever controls that website. Um, that the boys don't cry.co site. Um, I like that he has seemingly owned this at least. It has that sort of running library card thing, right? Or like the the, the due date library thing that has all the different dates. I hope he amends that to add August sixth because he let a lot of people down. Although, you know what? I, I don't know. I I feel like with with if you're a musical artist, there come some creative liberties, and and I think this will probably just add to the folklore of Frank Ocean a little bit. I don't necessarily hate it. I was bummed. I would love a new Frank Ocean album, but this just is like, I mean, here's one thing. Here's one thing you can say about it. We didn't have to do a recap pod, which freed me up. Like when it didn't come out, I was like was a, little a little bit little relieved. I was like, ooh, a little sigh of relief because we don't have to listen to it like 19 times this weekend. <laughs> yeah. And like, kind of wipe everything off our books right. to listen to Frank Ocean from sunup till sundown, so that we can ruin the album for ourselves for the sake of science, right? And and explain it on a podcast. And it felt like he did everything that goes along with an album release leading up to it. He announced it was going to be an Apple Music exclusive, which is the what's hot in the streets right now. If you're a major artist, as you do an exclusive with a streaming service, he did that weird live stream on his website. There were Snapchat filters about the new album. There was a lot of things that looked like it was going to happen. And then the day came. I woke up. I looked on Twitter. People were like, still no Frank Ocean. I kept checking back throughout the day. Still no Frank Ocean. And by the time noon hit on Friday, I was like, we're not getting this. We're not getting it. Not only not today, not this weekend. I don't think we're getting it for months. Well, I heard some rumor, and it probably is already wrong. I mean, because who? It, it probably the date that this album's released will like always be wrong until it's released. There will right. never be a correct date. We're not going to know. Right. But I saw the next day. Maybe it comes out in November. That's what I've been hearing. So, too. like, you know, great, Frank. Why even te- why even tease anything if it's going to be pushed off to November? Uh, but the internet went wild on Twitter 
um, this the Frank Ocean story was like the number one like what do you call them moments or whatever like if there's that tab that has Trending. like the highlights or whatever yeah. where they have pictures you can scroll through Frank's was number one and there were you know it was just a wealth of of memes the Arthur's fist meme yes. made a lot of appearances oh, yeah. like when Frank Ocean doesn't drop and it's just Arthur's <laughs> little aardvark fist little third grade aardvark fist pissed yep. off yeah yeah it was interesting so here's the th- my question is. It, is there even an, an album? So has he recorded this? Uh, this is a great question. I think he has some things for an album. I think it might just what he has might not be finished, or maybe it's not that good. Okay, that's what my thinking is right now. Because part of my inclination, I'm leaning more towards like it's just really not finished, and he's toying with people. Because from everything I've heard. Um, his the, the the plays he's getting on Spotify and on streaming services and the purchases of Frank Ocean music have been just going up and up. People are listening to Frank like crazy. So that's why I think this might be a genius move because he's now capturing that audience who maybe didn't listen to Channel Orange when it came out four years ago now. That's a long time. That's a lot of new music fans who could potentially be turned on to him right now. So... Is this a move? Is is this a kind of a marketing ploy, or is this legitimately because the album's not ready? I, I really don't know. And that's the thing about music today. We like, it could be any of those factors, and the fact the, the the what it is doesn't even really matter. Frank Ocean can like have this released whenever he wants. Like it could come out whenever. Like whatever the it, like it could be done and ready, and he could just tease it forever. He Question. Keep doing it. So, remember back in two thousand twelve, before Channel Orange came out. He wrote that letter about how he is bisexual, bisexual yeah. and that kind of directed the narrative of what that album would be critically. Mm-hmm. And it actually, you know, great album already, but I think that letter put it over the top as like yeah. a classic. Frank Ocean has been kind of this internet folk hero, and he it seems like he's known how to use the internet to his advantage. Is he doing that again right now? Because I think he saw what... Kanye did with the release of Pablo and all the press that that got is he putting his own spin on that right now and kind of upping the ante of his internet acumen? It's it's an interesting question and I think that um, it is really really interesting to see the way that artists use the internet especially now in the day like the times of, of streaming services to their advantage. Frank is an interesting example where he has minimal actual internet presence and that actually in, in 2016 is kind of a weird advantage because, like we said, he can keep us in the dark for sort of as long as he wants and there's no real indication. With Kanye, we knew where he was at because mm. he'd be like, I'm a fix wolves. <laughs> he doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, he would just come out and say, like, oh, I'll fix this, it'll be ready whenever. We're adding this track. He was releasing track lists. In a way, Frank Ocean's done the opposite. He just, like, hints at a release date right. instead of tweeting out one. And then, and whereas Kanye was tweeting out that that piece of notebook paper with track lists yeah, scrapping true. the track lists Frank's been doing the opposite and it's interesting to see the ways artists can manipulate the internet in different ways and mess with our expectations because Pablo kind of changed the album in one way where Kanye West said well look I can just change this album as I go that's what streaming is all about I can one day it won't have St. Pablo a couple months later I might add that. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what Frank Ocean does. I mean, he's already... I don't know. He's, he's keeping people in the dark. So, can this... Uh, well, okay, let me ask this first. Is he interested in making albums still? Because 
remember a couple years ago that rumor was floated out that maybe Channel Orange would be his one and only album, that he wasn't going to do albums anymore, he wasn't going to make music anymore. Do you remember that? It'd be interesting, it'd be like a Sex Pistols move. Yeah. Well, except he has Nostalgia Ultra. Which is which just a, a tape, a mixtape. Right, tape. right. I get, yeah, I get what you mean. But there was, there was talk that he would just be done after Channel Orange. Is he maybe not as into making full albums and like getting caught up in that cycle as we think he is or should be maybe he pulls a Barry Sanders retires young yeah at the height of his Calvin prime. Johnson yeah with a lot of, leaves a lot out on the field though yeah. that's the that's the problem I, I don't know I I mean the, it seems to me there must be something if he's teasing this album there's a name there's an identity this boys don't cry right. sort of label on it it doesn't make much sense to me that there would be just nothing ever as a result. I mean, for all Chinese I, democracy, Jake. You know, right? But for, and for all we know, there really is no album. I feel like there's at least like a concept. There's something. You I don't think know. So that's what you'd hope. So whatever this might be or ends up being, is there any chance this can be as good as Channel Orange, or has the have the expectations been so blown out of proportion, so blown out of the water that that's not even possible right now? It. I don't know. I mean, I think it's really hard to say because. Channel Orange was a great, great record mm-hmm. that pretty much everyone who listened to it loved it or mm-hmm. loved a lot of the songs on it. Um, and it's one of these things where, like, with every one of these, expectations keep getting higher, and he's at this point, like, finally starting to kind of piss fans off. Some It seems like some fans... I'm not someone who's going to get mad about this. Right. But, like, some fans seemed, like, actually annoyed with him, which I don't... I mean, I, I, I get it. I don't fully get it though because it's not like he really owes us anything. No, it's, it's not like, like you didn't. It's not like he's late on a on a check. You know right. what I mean? It's not like his rent is due. I'm like, all right, Frank, finally. And right. he's like, oops, again, sorry. Uh, here's my little library card of days I didn't pay rent. <laughs> like he doesn't owe us shit. He already gave us this masterpiece album. Exactly. So I'm not pissed, but it's like it's a little frustrating, and I'm gonna stop getting my hopes up real quick. Oh, me too. And that's why, like I said, when it was announced, I thought to myself, this problem. I'm. I'm Tempering expectations yeah. now because this probably isn't gonna actually come out. Speaking of announcements, Sean, we had a, a big one this week. That's what we like to call a transition. That's a transition or a segue. segue. If you're if you're uh, from Franceland, that's where they speak French, right? Franceland. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 That's the place. Sure. Oh, yep. Frenchland. Yep. yep. I'm get, am I getting warmer? The look in your eye tells me I'm wrong. Yeah, man, you nailed it. So you nailed se- it. Here's here's our big segue. New Bonnie Vare record. Um, supposedly being premiered live, not entirely sure what that means, whether it means it's being played in its entirety live, like a Kanye West situation at Madison Square Garden, or if, if Justin Vernon is playing these songs live, but it's being live released Friday with a, uh, a actual release date uh, to be announced. Yeah, this is interesting. And I, I think he and the band are actually playing this live at the, I think it's pronounced the... Auclair Festival in oh. Wisconsin, which they curate and they're headlining. So I think they're playing it live there. This is an interesting move. I... Okay, so this might be where music is going, actually. Yeah. Where the way that... So right now, we have streaming exclusives. What's the next step after that? It's doing what Kanye did and doing live live premieres. Through and, Periscope and, or something. And that's the only way you can get access to it. Is this the first step by Bonnie Vare of doing something live where maybe... You know what would be really crazy is if he premieres this album live and he goes, you know what? 
the only way you're going to be able to hear this is if you come out to a show and see us for six months. That'd That's be wild. It. That's all we're doing. Didn't Elvis... So there's going to be this album out there that you can't hear unless you go see them live. Didn't they do tours? I could be butchering this. Didn't they do tours of like Elvis's car or something? It's something like that where you got to go to see this thing. That, that sounds like what this is about. That, dude, that would be... I, I think that's taking... The artist is taking back control from what streaming services have done and kind of splintered the music. They're like, this is this one piece of art, this one entity. We're controlling how you hear it. You have to come and see us if you're that interested. And that's the only way you can do well, it. Because streaming services have made it the Wild West right now. That's right. There's so, like there's so many different ways you can go Apple exclusive. You can go uh, Tidal exclusive. You can j- do what Radiohead does and just bit tour in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do any number of things. And yeah, maybe the next thing is is like a traveling Bon Iver road show. You got to come see the that album live. Would be awesome. It would be really an cool. Event. But what if you're from a town he doesn't come to? Then I don't know. I what what is. Can we just have an artist who's of some reputation, somewhat famous, not try to up the ante on the that's album the release? That's the thing, though. No, no, no. no. I, that's the thing. Like, yes, for the average music fa- music snob like yeah. us who likes to inhale albums right. and sit in a dark room and listen to them, this is frustrating. But this is where music seems to be going. With technology the way it is, like, they are in this world, this in their... It's like a revolution. They don't know what's next. No, I, so this is them trying to figure something out, what the next thing is. Um, and take some of the power back, which I can yeah. I can fully get on board with because I think that streaming services have taken some element of, of sort of the power and ownership away from music. And so, yeah, maybe... But who knows? We don't even know what format this is in. I don't know what Justin Vernon's doing. Maybe it literally is. He plays it live. He's like, all right, it's released next Friday. Right. And then that wouldn't be much of a gesture. That would just be right. like kind of a... Sort of a coming out party for the for the album. Right. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see what sort of musical direction he goes in now. Did you see the little like 22 second clip that it was either a, like just sort of a mash of sounds, or it was actually part of one of the songs? Did you see this video? I didn't see it. It was a YouTube video that they posted, and it was just like it showed some of that artwork, the 22 days artwork, just sort of abstract stuff, and it was like sounds, and you can kind of hear his falsetto in mm. it, and it sounded like right where the video ends was where a song would start. So it sounds like he's got definitely an album ready to go. Yeah. Because the thing, here's what I'm, I'll have to say, is I have trust issues because of Frank. I have trust issues these days with music. I, like, I see that Justin Vernon's releasing an album, and, and I guess part of me is like, all right, let's see it. I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm going to be listening to it before I really believe that. Yeah, and I think we were talking about Bonnie Iver, Justin Vernon specifically the other day, how we were actually kind of disappointed that we yeah. haven't gotten more from him. Because he's always in the news collaborating with somebody. And I'm always thinking, dude, where's the next Bonnie Iver record? I mean, he had Volcano Choir a few years ago, too, which was decent. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that there is some trust issues there with these artists. Um, I think this one seems pretty locked in, though, I think. We'll see, I will see when I have it in hand, Sean. That's All right. right. I won't yeah. trust all that. No, yeah, I will. We'll I, I actually fully expect this album to come out. How about this, though, that... 2012 was the last time we got Frank Ocean, Bonnie Vare. Wasn't Bonnie Vare 2011? 2011, you're right. Yeah, so like back, it's been a while for both. Yeah, and I was gonna say too, Japan Droids was 2012 as yeah. well, uh, who just was in the news. That's what you want to call a transition, Jake. That's a transition or a segue, like they say in f- f- Frenchland. Franceland. Franceland. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, That's where the French are from, Sean. 
You ever watched the Olympics? Ever heard of it? No. It's on a, it's the it's on the a world stage. Not as cultured as you. No. Clearly. No. Anyways, Japan droids are in the news this week because they just announced today that they are going back on tour for mm-hmm. the first time since I think 2013. Is that when you saw them? Yes. Yes. No. Saw them in late 2012, but I think they Got still it. did a few more shows early 2013, but it's been over three years since they've been touring. I think this might finally mean some new music for them. At the very least, maybe we get to go see them live. They're a great live band. They are in that Frank Ocean camp of, if there's ever a follow-up to Celebration Rock, like um, Channel Orange, A, do you even really want it? Or will it tarnish the, the sort of mystery and mystique of, of Channel Orange slash Celebration Rock? And B... I might have said one and B. That's fine. It's okay. One and B. It's okay. Um, if that's the case, if it does come out, can it live up to it? What do you think? We've I, talked about this before. We talked about this before, and I said it would actually be kind of cool if Japan Droids stopped after their two albums, and they just go down in history as this legend of, of you know, burning bright and then going dark. Uh, out. It probably can't live up, because Celebration Rock, more than... Any rock album this decade has been so hyped up, has gone down in as legend, um, and just I, I don't know. I don't I don't know that anything can live up to it. It's interesting that both those albums are in the news right now. And honestly, with yeah. Japan Droids, it's that we don't even know what it means. It could just right. be they're back out on the road. They want to play again. Um, yeah, who knows? Because and, and both those artists are like for years now. People have been wondering like, will we get a follow up? Yeah. What will it be? What will it be like? And it's interesting the way both have handled it, because if this really is time for Japan Droids to come out with a new record, um, they've gone about it the complete opposite way of Frank Ocean. Mm. Talk about different ways of like mm-hmm. going about your business. Japan Droids has stayed just silent. They haven't said shit. Radio silent, yeah. Leaving us with no hope. I don't know, is it better to have no hope, or to keep being given hope and then losing it? I think to keep being given hope, because at least... In your mind, you can say, you know what, we're going to get something eventually. With Japan droids, it's just like they might not even speak to each other anymore. What we just did there was a little philosophy bites. That was a little... Philosophy bites. Which is more taxing on the brain. Yeah. Hope without reward or the absence of hope? It's got to be hope without reward. You think so? I do, because that keeps you going. You have to be constantly fed it, though. That's true. It has to be like... Which we have been with Frank. It's stick carrot and then back to carrot. Yeah. You gotta like get whacked on the knuckles with the ruler. I don't know what analogy I'm using. I'm kind all of all right. over the place. <laughs> and then your goal has to be another several months out. Yeah. In November, we're gonna get burned again. We probably There's will. There's no fucking question. We, in my you mind. know what? I hope we don't get doubly burned by a, a Trump election on top of it. Oh, God help. So it's like, dude, Frank, for the people, <laughs> for the people for of America. the United States, for the stars and stripes, it's the Olympics. It's it's a time of patriotism. You know, we need it right now. You can help make America great again, Frank, by putting this album out. Oh, God. Take the power back, Frank. Oh, my God. Maybe that's what he's waiting for. Maybe I, that is. If Maybe it'll pick me up if after. If we get to November and and Donald Trump is coronated king, as as uh, Father John Misty would say, and we don't have Boys Don't Cry, I, I'm going to Boys cry. will cry. Boys, are, boys, boys will be Boys crying. are going to cry. <laughs> Two boys. We're gonna have a podcast. It'll be an hour twenty. It'll be a long, on the longer yeah. end, and it will be just, just no pause, no intro, no outro, no music. 
just unfiltered us both weeping quietly into the mic. What's election day? November 4th. Book it. <laughs> For November 4th. All right? Uh, that's going to be an electric podcast. It sure is. Uh, another new announcement. So I, I feel like what ends up happening... How was that? <laughs> it's like I just finished a dish. <laughs> I feel like what ends up happening is the summer months, June, July, into August, end up being slow in terms of music. And then you start to get album announcements, tour announcements as August starts to to go on. And I think that's what's happening right now. Joyce Manor announced a new album. Cody. Uh, Cody. It's called Cody. The, the boy's name, Cody. Can't say I love the name. I don't either. For, for either a boy or for an album. I don't love it. Although, new single, Fake ID, came out. Sounds like classic Joyce Manor. It's real good. Joyce Manor we, is... Quickly, we had a little intel from one of our, our sources in the industry that said they were working on a new album that sounded like Joy Division. This song does not sound anything like Joy Division. Maybe later songs do. It Who knows? Might, Maybe yeah. Fake ID is uh, a, a little fake out, yeah. if you will. I'm using fake in both there. See how, what I did there? That's called a pun in the industry, in the biz. Um, you, you'll catch on. Uh, but So Joyce Manor is a band that... I always forget how popular they are. Yeah. All their top songs on Spotify have over like a million listens. They're top five, I think. Um, and this was trending on Facebook. And usually like their their album release announcement mm -hmm. um which and usually when i see that i'm skeptical i'm like oh maybe that's because they know i like it somehow or if it's something local i always wonder what's the algorithm that's getting this to me i would not underestimate facebook's algorithm in this case they're probably surfacing that just to you like that's not showing up on what know, did i do joe, joe blow from high school who, who's never heard of them it's probably not showing not. up for him interesting either way that seems to indicate to me it's a relatively big story it i mean people were pretty excited I, yes yeah uh ian cohen on twitter in the biz sean as we call it right in the biz ian cohen on twitter was was very excited Stephen to, to talk about this. Hayden. both of them have heard this record already mm. they both said it's very good uh cohen said in reference to the Joyce Manor and Hotelier tour, he said this tour will be in support of the records of the two records that I've listened to the most this year. Ooh. So I'm thinking Hotelier and Joyce Manor's new album are his two favorites. So that bodes well for us. It does, and he is huge on on uh, goodness. By yes, Hotelier. He he's is. all in on he that. Is. So if if this lives up in any way. Um, I'm going to be really interested to see what they do with this. Maybe it's no real progression at all. Yeah. Or if it is that little insider bit we got, if they go towards like sort of a darker, more uh, Joy Division-ish sound, that would yeah, be interesting yeah, to hear yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, lots of interesting announcements this week. We haven't had yeah. maybe, and like you, you said something about how summer has been kind of a little dull in that respect. I think we've seen that bear out. These last, since we, since we got to the new crib, Sean, mm. the new house, um, that's what we call it in the biz, cribs. <laughs> <laughs> in the industry, yeah, we call them cribs. Right. Um, the uh, we haven't had many like announcements to talk about. No. Early in the year, we had a ton. We did every yeah. week. We were like, "Ooh, new album from this person coming out." I think that's just summer. I think it's yeah. across the board. The sports world slows down. The entertainment world slows down after the big summer blockbusters hit in like May. May now. like thirteenth. Yeah, Aven it's and always Avengers. T right. It's always a Marvel movie. Then. TV slows down, and then things start to pick back up a little bit in August. I mean, we get the Olympics now. Culture is starting to come back a little bit. It, dude, and, and it can't come soon enough because... And really what I'm hoping, really, like, after is fall. 
I just miss fall. I'm tired of... You've probably noticed, listeners, there's always fans going on in the background of the podcast. That's because we can't Dude, help it. It's too hot. It is like a fucking rainforest in here it's right sticky. now. It's, it's so sticky. It's it's humid. Dude, we have to run that 5K tomorrow. Yeah. We're running a fight. It's going to be 100 <laughs> yeah, it degrees. It's going to be literally 100. You, you, we might die. We, this might be it, the last you hear from us. This just in, the listening podcast has been canceled because its two hosts died. <laughs> In a 5K. That's right. Because by the time you're listening to this, it's tomorrow. Yeah, that's so, right. So tweet that's us right. your condolences. Right. Um, for our death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of our death, uh, what have we been listening to lately, Jake? <laughs> that's also what we call a segue. In the biz, that's what we call that's what we call a segue. So, yeah, a couple um, albums here to plug. Let's let's do this one first. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast necessarily. Have we? Do you see the third one on the agenda? Yes. Um, the Tiger's Jaw album from 2010. Tiger's so this Jaw. is not a new record no. at all. Uh, I think this album's just called Tiger's Jaw. Yeah. I call it the Pizza Album. Pizza Album. It's like the White Album, except yeah. the yeah. Pizza Album. Or Metallica's Black Album. Right. Uh, in this case, it's the Pizza Album. Um, so this is like... Really, the reason we got into this is because we were listening to that uh, Camp Cope record. Yeah. Um, and on one of those songs, uh, the lead singer, whose name I still don't know, when we talked about her... Like three episodes ago, I didn't know her name. I haven't done that bit of research since. Um, they don't have a Wikipedia page, I don't think. Mm. Anyways, she references Tiger's Jaw, so we both started listening to this record, um, which is one I had seen sort of floating around for years, in, in just sort of online, and mm-hmm. it just references here and there in culture. It's awesome. So good. It's a good it, album. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast for this long, you know that Jake and I have gotten way into like the emo pop punk scene this year. This is right up our alley. This is catnip for us. It's really catchy. It's only 30 minutes long. Uh, They do an awesome job of harmonizing, but it's like that emo harmonizing. Yeah, and these are like some of the catchier like emo songs I've heard um, really ever. Like I I, I was really impressed with this album right from the get-go. Like right with the, is it The Sun or just Sun? The The first song. With, With The Sun, the first track, as soon as I got like, 30, 40 seconds in, I could tell that I was going to really enjoy the mm-hmm. album. Me too. Um, what, tell, tell the listeners about another record we've been into lately. Uh, we've also been listening to the new Jank EP. So Versace Summer. Jake and I were talking about Jank today over text, actually. Jake likes them a little bit more than I do. I, probably a good amount more than I do. I can't totally get down with their brand of humor and how they integrate that into their songs I really like this EP actually I think it's only 20 minutes long them in small doses is a lot better for me than a full album 20 minute long EP that's a small dose yeah that's perfect for me that's like enough the song Versace Summer at the end I think is an amazing song I think it's one of the best rock songs of the summer Um, an aptly titled name it is Versace Summer I like it I don't think I like it as much as you. You might not, and I have been really into it. My favorite things about Jank are, um, as a band, they get kind of lumped into the emo scene. I don't know how much they. I totally think they sound like emo because they kind they are, but they're in that weird hybrid between sort of emo music and um, like surf rock. Yeah, like stoner rock. Stoner surf rock, sort of technical weird riffs and stuff. Um, on the first song, which is, uh, what is it again? Uh, Grim Reefer. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, that's, yeah. It's a funny title, dude, it but is. the song is good. Like, that's it the thing. Is. They have these awesome riffs and just catchy as fuck hooks. Yeah. The vocal hooks are awesome. I love 
And, dude, the lead singer's name is Matt Diamond, <laughs> which is an awesome name. It's a cool name. His vocal melodies are catchy, um, and I love the what, the what they do with the guitars and the different sort of uh, rhythms. And I think they, they mix up some time signatures and stuff. I always really enjoy listening to Jank, and I don't mind the humor. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's overwhelming. I, to me... I listen to it really because I think it's it's really really catchy. Yeah. The riff on that second song, um, not cool enough, whatever whatever mm-hmm. it's called, not cool enough for you. That like opening just like drum thing, and then the there's this like sort of fast low end guitar riff. I mean that stuff. I don't know. I just eat it up. But you're yeah. right. Maybe I like it a little more. Yeah. Um, it's good though. It's good. It's it's, it's a really good. good EP. And if you if you enjoyed um, their what was that song that record called the the one they put out the full length this year. It, it, did, it scored big on our listener poll. It did. It scored big on our, mostly because of uh, big friend of the pod Kevin and Matt's uh, yeah. lists where they ranked it highly. Anyways, if you like that album, you'll like this EP. Um, the other album we wanted to talk about is uh, is an album by it's is it a band or a solo artist called Told Slant T O L D Slant. I think it's one of these things where it's the. It's really the project of one person, but they've brought in a couple other people. It's a Bonnie Vera situation. Yeah, yeah, like a we, youth lagoon kind of thing. Too. And he's he's catching a lot of comparisons to Bonnie Vera in weird ways. I saw him like, which yeah. I don't think is totally there. I don't think so either. I've actually never thought that. I guess I can see it because apparently he did a similar thing where he went out to a cabin and just recorded mm-hmm. by himself. Maybe that's what they meant. Uh, yeah, that might be what it is. I, I, I think it's more... I get a big modest mouse vibe from from these guys, but also with those pinched harmonics on the guitar. Yeah, exactly. Like that sound, but with like this, the voice though. There's something about it I can't totally put my finger on. And there's some banjos in there, which makes me think of that uh, that band Mutual Benefit a little bit. Um, Really, really good. Like soft kind of folky indie rock uh, heartfelt lyrics I've been really enjoying it it's been really doing it for me the past few days uh, we've only been on it a couple days it's actually been doing it a lot for me yeah. too I listened uh, again today um, and I really enjoy uh, the album overall like the the, the, the the vocalist and I forget their name um, it really puts a whole new like extreme to the frail fragile sort of singing style yeah where like their voice is popping like yeah. at all like sort of just always either popping or just or sounding too fragile or frail to like make it it sounds like you can barely make it out of right out right of, out of uh his you, mouth you you had a good comparison the other day you said it sounded like a more frail version of uh spencer krug's voice from uh wolf parade yeah crossed with like a little maybe isaac brock ishness right because maybe that's just the Modest Mouse sound yeah, for now. Yeah, Because like we said, the guitars do... They, they do the Modest Mouse guitar thing. Where yeah, they, 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 they play like a harmonic and they like kind of either yeah. whammy bar it or something where yeah. they get that whoa, 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 like sound out of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really enjoyable. Really good. Little really indie. Good. It's not really indie good. pop. It's kind of like folkish yeah. pop. Yeah. There's poppy elements. Really jangly, sort of tr- uh, bright guitar sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Worth a listen. Yeah, and, check and, it out. and this one was recommended by friend of the pod, uh, Dizak. Mitch Dizak. Mitch Dizak, who has right. been on the show before. Um, we'll have to have him on again sometime. Yeah. yeah, yeah he yeah. lives in the house. Yeah, he does. What the hell? Yeah. Give him a ring. Let's do it. It's neighborly. Um, and then the last thing that we wanted to talk about this week, Jake and I went to a couple of concerts That's right. recently. The first one was Best Coast. Now, mm. I have been a Best Coast fan for the better part of 
five years now, uh, at least. Six years, actually. Um, so like a fifth of your life. Yeah, seriously. That's no small part. No. Most of the formative years, too. More than that. If it's six years, it's like a fourth of my life. That's right. Uh, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. I have been wanting to see them live for a while. We finally got a chance to go see it at a really intimate venue in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Big shout out to the 3S Art Space. That's right. Awesome Big venue. Big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. I don't think they know about the pod. Yeah. They might. You never know. Um, and it was on a Monday night, Jake. What? It was on a Monday night. I ended up not enjoying it maybe as much as I would have if it was not on a Monday night. Well, here's a big reason why. Um... Well, for, okay, I was on vacation from work, took a little sabbatical. Gotta, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think, sabbatical. Gotta get my rest. Uh, took a vacation from work, so for me, Monday could have been Saturday. Right. Didn't matter to me. Uh, but what kind of ruined the show for me were those, there were these douchebags behind oh, us I forgot about who that. were probably 11 out of 10 drunk right. and screaming at the band. Like, I couldn't tell. It was somewhere between a heckle and a we love you type right. of thing. But they were saying things... They weren't being outwardly confrontational. I don't know. It just felt a little aggressive for, for Best Coast. And, and I don't know. Maybe I was a little sensitive to it because uh, Bethany... Is it Constantino? Yeah. Who's the lead singer? Obviously, she's a woman. And so it felt sort of aggressive And she's like her. a very vocal feminist on yeah. Twitter, which which is great. And, and like, like, she doesn't stand for that shit. They're like, we love you, Bethany. Yeah, which like, I'm sure she gets all the time at shows. But it's like, dude, I, would you be yelling this much, this loud, this many times at a male lead singer? Right. At this point, are you kind of uh, being a little aggressive? That's what it felt like. And they were right behind us, and then halfway through, they, like, bumped into us and, like, cut in front of us, which didn't help either. This was at the same venue where we had the situation that we told on a pod long time oh, ago, yeah. where that dude got in a borderline, a few fights, right. because someone kept edging him out in the standing room right. only. Um, that happened to, I saw it happen to you, where obviously you didn't fight this dude, but these guys, there was no, there was not room for one, let alone two people. Right. And they they were shit faced, so they right. crammed themselves in front of you, and you, you were just like, like really? I, what are you doing? I, I was just like laughing at them. You gotta I'm know like, that's yeah. not cool. No, you have to know that's not cool. There's a certain rule about if you get there and you you stake out your spot. If there's room, it is totally fine for people to go in front of you. You you, you made your bed, but right. if, if there's if there's no room. That's your spot. It's People kind of have to respect it. Yeah, they do. And, and these I guys paid no respect. When you're shit faced, you, that goes out the window. It does. So, anyways, that, shout to those that affected the show. But also, you know, I, I, as much as I love Best Coast, I can't say that I I loved the live show. I got to be honest. I wouldn't they say love it. I wouldn't say I loved it either. And I am admittedly like half as into Best Coast as you are. Yeah. I like Best Coast if it's on. I'll, I'll never shut it off. I'll listen to an album once in a great while. I like what they do. It's never been anything that blows my doors off. Right. I, I can't, I'm not, like, so enamored with their sound or anything. It's catchy. I, I would never, you know, I, I just so, going in, I think I had lower expectations. I, too, sort of didn't really love mm. it. Um, I don't know. It just, it wasn't that exciting. Their songs are simple. Their songs are catchy and they're pop songs, which is fine and which is really good. But if in a live show, you I think you got to bring a little something the, to complement. The, yeah, the other thing too, though, is 
it was a Monday, like we said. They are playing like a 200-person club in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. On like a drizzly night. It was raining out. Monday. It, it felt so much like a, this is just another stop for us. Let's get through it and get on to the better place. Because, dude, they were, they were on Twitter today. They're playing like House of Blues in Boston the other night. Like, that's such a better venue yeah. and more special for them than playing like the small New Hampshire place. You gotta think there's plenty of stops on a tour that are like that. Absolutely. Where you're not gonna bring, Absolutely. you're not really gonna bring it. And you know what? We get lucky in that we end up seeing a lot of shows in Boston where I think people, bands get up for that. They get excited for that. And I've noticed with some of these shows that end up being in New Hampshire that we've seen, the excitement just isn't there as much because I feel like it's either at the towards the start of a tour or kind of in the middle, and they're just like, "All right, we're tired. Let's just get through it. Whatever." They might be coming off of a Boston show or heading to one, conserving energy or trying to regroup. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think that I mean this is obviously just anecdotal. We've seen sure. some good shows. We saw Julian Baker who put on a really good yep. show. I thought Hopalong was really yep. good in uh, in Portsmouth. But I agree. I think that if you're on a tour, it, it just stands to reason. You know, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, to put it in terms of, like, a work week, your show in Portsmouth is Tuesday. It's a such it's a Tuesday. Just, it's just like, it's let's just Tuesday. fucking get through Tuesday, and then, we're, and then it's hump day, hey. Yeah. Maybe on to, like, a slightly bigger city with some interesting culture. I don't think people know what to expect from Portsmouth and probably don't know how to get the most out of it, because Portsmouth's a really nice town. It is. It's really, really cool, and there's a lot of interesting culture and, like, some great restaurants, some, some cool sites to be seen. I don't think people really know. There's not a lot of marketing that's gone into the Portsmouth machine. No, not yet. And, like, like this is a relatively new venue. I think they're still getting their sea legs with kind of how this stuff works. So it's going to be interesting to see what it grows and turns into. The other thing, too, though, to your point about the work week, like, no one puts in a 100% A-plus effort every single day. That's not realistic. No. And when you think about bands, that's their job. You can't expect them to put in a 100% A-plus effort at every single gig that they're at. Of course, you're going to be kind of burnt out or tired or just not feeling it that day. Sometimes that overlaps with when you see them, and that's too bad. Like, okay, you saw a 7 out of 10 show instead of a 10 out of 10 show. I agree, and we've been lucky enough to go to some of those Boston shows where bands are like, all right, this is the maybe Thursday night or Friday of the week where... I'm, I'm working my way towards the end of a work week. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing about living in this area, at least I've sort of, I think this is true, it seems that it usually coincides with sort of the early stages or late stages of a tour. Yes. Because it's a, it's on the coast, and it's like near the northeast part of the coast, so yep. if you're doing the sort of, the what is sort of natural, like a loop through the country, a little uh, horseshoe, yep. it'll either be sort of like right at the start yep. or near the finish, so... Um, when we saw Modern Baseball, for example, they were wrapping up a tour, they I were. think, and they, Boston was one of their last shows, and uh, and uh, and, uh, and like we're back on the East Coast, and <laughs> he seemed excited, and they put on an awesome show. I, if I gotta say, if they had a show in like Portsmouth, New Hampshire, the next night, might have been a little less energy, Agreed. might have been a little less exciting for them. Perfect example is when we saw Animal Collective. That was the second show on their tour. Yeah, this Best Coast show was also the second night on their tour, maybe third. Really? Um, when I have seen other bands, for example, Japan Droids, when we talked about earlier, they made a big point to say that this was their last tour on the East Coast 
for like that album cycle or for a, or for a while. Yeah. So like they brought it and it was awesome. I've also seen the National in Boston where they've said this is our last night on tour for a while as well. So those Boston shows end up being the last night and they absolutely bring it. It's a special experience. People get hyped for Boston. How could yeah. you not? Like, cause if I were going from city to city and playing the sort of middling towns and half cities along the way, they're the ones I'd get hyped for. Mm-hmm. If I were on tour, I'd be like, okay, Chicago, got to bring it that night. Like L.A., mm-hmm. San Francisco... Anytime for, you're in New York City. And then for me, it'd be like Boston, because this is sort of a half-assed homecoming thing. Yeah. So I got to play... I feel like it, when modern baseball plays Philly, yeah. they probably get hyped. Uh, when when Joyce Manor plays... They're from, like, California, right? Torrance. Yes. So when they play, like, Cal- uh, L.A., they probably get excited. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of factors. And then it, when, you're, when you're playing uh, a town in the Midwest, or you're playing a Portsmouth... You're probably not bringing it. Exactly. I think makes, that's makes what sense. we saw. It's okay. It, it makes it, sense. And, and again, oh, knocking the, might have gotten a little feedback there on the mic. I don't want to knock Best Coast. I thought they put on a fine show. Yeah. yeah. It was good. It just was like not anything I'll remember for a long time. Right. Exactly. There wasn't a lot exactly. to write home about it. You know, about it. They put on, they played their songs, they played them well, they yeah. got out of there. It was a, a workmanlike effort. Yeah, and it was fine. Uh, speaking of. Bands and shows that you're gonna remember. Uh, Jake and I, being the big Led Zeppelin fans that we are, went to go see a Led Zeppelin cover band called Get the Let Out last weekend, and it was one of the all-time unique concert experiences that I have ever had. So, a little bit of background. This was also in New Hampshire. This was at the venue, the Casino Ballroom in Hampton, which is what maybe 15, 20 minutes away from. Portsmouth? Yeah, pretty close. And so for all the history that the th- the new 3AS art space lacks, this place makes up for it with a ton of history. I actually really liked this venue. I did too. Um, because if you look around on the walls, and the thing is, the reason we're marveling at this, like I know if you're from a big city, you're just used to this. We're not in New Hampshire. A lot of huge rock and like jazz and comedian acts have come through the, the casino ballroom. The, a few I can think of are um, The Doors in 67, Janis Joplin was there in 69, Zeppelin came there, the real Zeppelin. Um, I don't know whose experience was better, ours or that that crowd. Um, <laughs> Louis Armstrong, I think it was um, uh, George Carlin. Jethro Jerry, Tull. Jerry Seinfeld, Jethro Tull, yeah. Uh, there was another, who's, um, Dizzy, was it Dizzy Gillespie? Or was it, uh, it was one of those other major jazz Guys, Fish. Louis C.K. has been through there. I saw him when I was 18. That's right. It was a great show. So a lot of sort of a rare venue in New Hampshire where there's a lot of history involving rock music Mm -hmm. and stuff that we're actually sort of interested Mm -hmm. in. Um, So it was interesting to see them there. And this cover band, dude, talk about even just one level, because there were many that this was funny on. Because this was onion layers deep of funny. So funny they came out they opened with immigrant song and i had to like i would have been giggling and laughing the whole time because they take it so seriously i had to just turn that part of my brain off and say enjoy this for what they're doing musically but but so so funny because here's layer number two they fucking killed it that's that's and that doesn't sound funny but it is because if you're a band and you're five, six musicians and you're playing complex, 
just intricate, interwoven Led Zeppelin songs with Robert Plant high soaring vocals yep. and Jimmy Page, Page shredding guitars and John Bonham, uh, you know, banging like just just insanely fast drums and John Paul Jones on his organ and mandolin and keyboards. If you're doing all that uh, and doing it like pretty perfectly, there's something pretty funny about that because you're good enough to ha- to hack it on your own and also. You're playing these songs so well. To me, the concept of getting out there on stage and playing songs written by another artist and basking in the glory of the crowd's love for you and like pointing at them and raising your fist and be like, yeah, that's so funny to me because it's not for you. No. It's really not. You could could look like anything. Yeah. People are just cheering for the songs themselves. Not you. You're just a conduit that's bringing them to them because... They could have got up there, they could have plugged an iPod in and played those songs over the speakers and people would be cheering for them just because they love Led Zeppelin. It would be definitely a lesser experience, but right. I agree, because people were drunk, dude. There were people, oh, yeah. just old, this was, it was crazy. There were just like middle-aged folks, because this is the thing about the ballroom. It's right on the beach, so people are, are, are off their, you know, three martini lunch strolling in with sand in their in their uh, bathing suits yeah. and they're they're a little tipsy and they're like I'm gonna relive high school right, right. now with my wife who I don't love anymore <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're gonna slow dance to uh, Stairway to Heaven one more time because that's what it's all about that's, that's what right. that's what I think tribute bands ultimately are all yeah. about is just giving people yep. this experience they can't have anymore that's why there's so many Beatles tribute bands uh, yeah and it's uh, again, it's funny for a third reason because they get up there and they don't just play the big hits. They do, <laughs> but they play some deep cuts, which I'm I'm sure the real Led Zeppelin actually never played live. Well, I know for a fact they never played Ramble On. Never played Ramble On. But that's like a popular, that has become a radio, a classic rock radio staple. Dude, they played Down by the Seaside. I know. A physical graffiti. I had to have, I had to have our friend Matt, who came with us, be like, what song is this? I was like, oh, Down by the Seaside, on side two of Physical Graffiti. So, as big a Led Zeppelin fan as I am, I'll own up to the fact that Sean is just a bit bigger of a fan, and there was only one song, the whole set, Dude, they, I didn't know. Only one, and I was a little embarrassed, but I, I think after you tell the listeners what it was, I, I feel like I so, can up to this. Okay. It's not that bad that I didn't know this song. It's not. I bet actually a lot of people there didn't know it. No. Um, this, they played, God bless them for bringing this song out, they played Traveling Riverside Blues, which is one of the few unreleased songs that ended up on the BBC Sessions live album that they have, which obviously I own and have listened to many times. Um, and this is basically kind of a riff on what they ended up doing on Lemon Song, but it ends up having this different riff to it, um, which is really, really cool, actually. They, But Plant ends up doing the riff on, like, the Squeeze My Lemon thing and kind of the Backdoor Man shit. Like, that, just that standard blues. It's, it's kind of just a jam that turned into, like... Uh, a, a kind of a throwaway song for them a bit, but this band, God bless them for bringing yeah. that out and in playing that and having that be in their repertoire for sure. And there was they left uh, Black Dog and, and Rock and Roll on the table, yeah, and they play this song. I but I, I felt good. I was like, all right, if I can go to this show and know all but one song and it's sort of a deep cut, I feel decent. I feel yeah. like I know. I mean, I knew Down by the Seaside, which I think is more than some people could say. Yeah. Uh, that being said, another layer um, that's so funny about this is this concert hammered home to me 
uh, just how funny Led Zeppelin is yes. as a band. Yes. They're just ridiculous. There's no other band that that swings more the pendulum of just like goofy guy shit. It's just like one song's testosterone fueled, and it's squeeze my lemon till the juice runs down my leg, and then the next one's the darkest depths of mortar. I met a girl so fair. <laughs> and people sing all these lyrics yeah. without a fucking whiff of irony. No. People sing all of them, and there's the, just these ridiculous riffs, and Robert it's Plant's crazy. voice is crazy, and the Nobody's Fault But Mine riff plays a hundred <laughs> times. Dude. People thought Nobody's Fault But Mine was ending six times before it actually did. Yeah, and then you got another another riff of... Ah, no, Starts to clap. <laughs> another one, another, yep. another, uh, you got another five coming. But uh, Zeppelin's ridiculous. It doesn't make me love them any less. No, oh no. It actually maybe makes me like them a little. There's bit more. no band on their corner, dude. There's no, no one doing hey, dude, what they do. The fourth, maybe fifth layer of being funny. They gave this no-name drummer. A twenty-minute Mo- <laughs> Moby Dick solo, which this dude didn't like do his own thing. He just recreated like the John Bonham Moby Dick solo. That's the tribute band shtick, man. That is so funny. And dude, I, actually, I didn't even think of that. This is ridiculous. This is just a guy ridiculous. who can play drums really well. And people, and it are, sounded great. It was cool to see. That's the whole thing. Is that don't mistake there being five, six, seven layers of hilarity about this show as it being bad. It was amazing. It was, it was so great. good. And as a Zeppelin fan, I absolutely loved it. you got to laugh at it. You have to. There's, there's gotta, so many things funny about it. You can't take that stuff too seriously. No. And I, I don't think they do, and I don't think a lot of the fans do. I think everyone there in the lead singer said it. He's like, look, we do this because we love Led Zeppelin just like you do. Like, we, like, we're just paying tribute to them. Yeah. We're just here to have a good time. And that's really what it's all about, and I really appreciated that about that show. And those dudes played the songs note for note perfect, like the studio version. They did. Version. It's funny because... They played them incredibly. Zeppelin never... Like, their live shows weren't just recreations of the album. At all. At all. They would change things and experiment and riff and jam, and it gave a unique live experience every single time. Like, they would do different versions of dazed and confused that would stretch to 20-25 minutes they do different versions of whole lot of love that would be half an hour the guitar solo on stairway to heaven would have different parts to it depending on whatever jimmy page wanted to do at the time so it was interesting to see a live performance of these songs without the you know the overindulgence that led zeppelin would sometimes put into the live ones because you know, if you're a big Led Zeppelin fan like I am, you've probably seen The Song Remains the Same live movie, and some of those songs don't sound like you'd expect them to sound after hearing them on the album. So it was interesting to just get the the album version, yeah. but in a live context. I was disappointed they didn't do John Bonham's motorcycle fantasy sequence uh, yeah, from The Song Remains well, the Same. They should yeah. have had him ride his hog in. They dude, should have. The, that crowd of all crowds would have fucking lost oh it for that, God. dude. Can you imagine if that drummer, first of all, what he should have done is rode in on his hog, gets down, and then leads in the dun 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 Moby Dick yeah, comes on, yeah. everyone goes crazy, drinks are flowing, yeah. and then he plays a 45-minute drum solo. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, dude, it was, it was ridiculous. And I think, so if you have a tribute band like 1964, who do, they do the early Beatles, they do Beatles touring years, 
that makes a little more sense because they play the sets and tell the same tongue-in-cheek jokes mm. um, that the Beatles did during those touring years. They play the songs pretty much the same. They sound like the studio versions, but they play them as tight as they can, and they were the songs that they actually played live. This is an interesting case where you're right. They, they do less of an actual... It's weird because in their attempt to do a uh, to do a um, sort of a what's the word authentic yeah authentic or, or true to the album rendition of, of Zeppelin they don't do anything like their live show they have right. six people up there emulating the guitars because that's how layered it was on the record right and, and that's why I think why Jimmy Page would experiment that's so much. exactly why he's like well I can't recreate this like I had it so I'm gonna just do my own thing right and it's interesting because for someone who understands what Led Zeppelin brought to the table live seeing this tribute band there's a disconnect there because you're like wait a minute like if you wanted to be absolutely like them you'd be recreating their live shows you'd be giving me a 30 minute whole lot of love and that's not what people want no 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 I don't even think necessarily it's what crowds wanted then I'm gonna be honest I hot take city I think that's true like yeah you you're probably right they've gone down in legend as like these amazing things because you know when you just have when you can go and listen to the album version and then have this live version too it's cool to see but yeah you're right if you're paying money to go see led zeppelin you're kind of just like well maybe i don't want to sit here for john paul jones's seven minute organ solo on no quarter maybe not but although maybe you're high and don't care that's the thing and although you were seeing four of the most talented rock musicians of all time play each of their instruments to the best of their ability. We, as music fans right now, we don't really have these virtuosos coming through and just shredding or doing these intricate solos. Because music's opened up so much. You can have people who are passable musicians, but write interesting music and get Mm -hmm. by. Because I think the, the one, I think, legitimate knock against Zeppelin is... As songwriters, they're not particularly interesting. No. I love Robert Plant. I do. I'm a, probably a bigger Robert Plant fan than most. Not the most nuanced, introspective, interesting lyricist. Kind of a lot of tropes. His calling card is that huge voice. Yeah. You know, and Zeppelin is, they're just, they're straight ahead. They're a rock band. But they're not writing, like, melodies or, you know, sort of, like, chord progressions that are really interesting musically. What I'll say is this. Like, when they played stuff from Presence, it gave me a whole new... Nobody's Fault But Mine, stuff like that. Gives you a whole new appreciation for how much Jimmy Page did with guitar on that album. Yes, so that's the thing about... That's his legacy, really. Yeah, it is. Presence was, like, his... His... Guitar Baby, yeah. That was basically all him. Um, While In Through the Outdoor was mostly Plant and John Paul Jones. That's right. Because he was smacked out. But... You can really tell on the songs, too. You can. Um... It's interesting, you're right, I agree that they're not the best songwriters. They're more so of, we're just great musicians, yeah. and that's going to power us through. And you, that's why you can tell in the live shows. Yeah. Because like, I feel like the versions of songs they settled on and recorded probably just happened to be the one they were doing then. Yeah. If you think about the way they were doing Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, the way they were doing Dazed and Confused, the, the, the version we hear on Led Zeppelin 1 is probably just approximately what they were doing at shows at that time. Right. Or, like, what they were used to doing, because they eventually blew those all out into different things. Exactly. I also... This is a quick side note that's very specific, but Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, it's weird. It, this seems like it should be obvious. I never realized how much that song is just the same two things over and over. I never realized how much it's like they, they slow down, 
and then it's a dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I don't know it, like at, seeing it live it struck me as more repetitive as it ever was before not in a bad way I love that song right. I don't know it's for some I don't know for some reason it, it just never hit me quite how much that song is really repetition yeah yeah I, don't, I mean I guess all songs are yeah that song I guess more than most because there's like kind of two parts to it yeah yeah, I can see that. Interesting show. But, but yeah, very, very interesting. Get the lead out. I would say, if you have the opportunity and you like Led Zeppelin, it's the closest you're going to get. It's a cool experience. I'd highly recommend I, it. I would go see him again. Me too. And, like, yeah. tell us what you think is funny about it. Yeah. And what you think is great about it. Because, I don't know, Led Zeppelin, like I said, man, they're just, they're so ridiculous. They really are really over the top. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think as a kid, as a fan of Led Zeppelin, I really got that. I think... I, like and now I can kind of see where their detractors were coming from back in the day. Yeah. They're way over the top, yeah. and it's amazing. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, but it's crazy. It is. Zeppelin's so they're really weird. They're I've, legitimately weird. Uh, yeah, I've, I've such a different appreciation and way that I like them now than yeah. I did when I was younger. When I was younger, I got caught up all in the hype of like this is the the best rock music ever. Like the like. I liked them in that normal way. Yeah. Now I like them for all different reasons that I never would have thought of when I was younger. Because the thing about Zeppelin is, you you take the the like you said the four members of the band and they're all like the best musician basically at their position in the band at that time. They're just all superpowers of mm-hmm. bass slash keyboards, guitar, drums, and vocals, and it's just it's so interesting to see what the result is when you put these four just virtuoso mm-hmm. talents mash them together and I think it's also cool how you have the studio musician side with, with uh, John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page who are the sort of the tailor made right. very specifically trained musicians right. and then you have the raw just freak abilities of John Bonham and, right. of, and Robert Plant right. I mean I think that's what makes Zeppelin so great is that you have these guys who are all so amazing at what they did and it just was like this explosion of mm-hmm. talent mm-hmm. that's what comes through to me now absolutely Absolutely. And I listen to the music, and I'm like, I, that, with Zeppelin, it's like my reaction with their music is always just holy shit. Yeah, I know. I listen to what they're doing. I know. It's you crazy. take it for granted. You do. When I listen to the Beatles, I'm like, I love this part. Right. I love these little melodies. Like, listen to this. I love the story behind this song. With Zeppelin, it's just like listen to what they're doing. Right. It's crazy. It is. It is. It is. It listen is. to JPJ's bass here. It is. It's it's yeah. awesome. Great live experience. It was. Um, that. Probably does it for episode 36. I think that cinches it, man. All right. Maybe by the time you listen to the next episode, Frank Ocean will have dropped Boys Don't Cry. But we'll, probably not. But again, we'll never get there because we will be dead. Dead tomorrow. That's right. We're dying tomorrow during the 5K. That's right. We will so, die in um, the heat. Hashtag RIP Jake and Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, hashtag uh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Hashtag in loving memory. <laughs> and we'll see you next week, but not really. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Recording now. Okay. Do you have the agenda open? I do. Yeah. What episode number is this? Thirty-six. Let's take 37? a seven. Let's take a peek. See, I'm pretty sure it's a. I'm sorry. You can't say peeksy and be a legitimate human being. It's just, I just let that slide too. I was like a peeksy. Yeah. Okay. It's just another 
dumb fucking thing that we say. Dude, sometimes when people say a look, it's 36. Okay. Sometimes okay. when people say the phrase a look-see, yeah. it's ridiculous because I don't think people know what they're saying. You're saying the words look and see yep. together. Yeah. A look-see. But it's, it's not, that's not what they're saying. They're really saying, they're being cute by putting C on the end. It's not C-S-E-E. But that's how it's spelled. Are you serious? I'm pretty sure. I always thought it was people being like, look dash S-I, look C. No, dude, a look C. That's weird. Yeah, and it means a brief look or inspection. <laughs> dude, Google, God. there's a company uh, in Portland, Oregon called Look C, because of course there is. Look at their like flat design logo. Yeah, yeah. Big I, shout, big friends of the pod. <laughs> look C. Do you ever, speaking of like dumb shit people say, have you ever been in a meeting at work and like someone you work with just, they think they're being funny and folksy with you and they say something that's not funny, that's actually just really annoying and, and stupid and you have to kind of fake your way through it while feeling secondhand embarrassment and uncomfortable like yourself. This happened to me today. I was in the room with another dude and we both caught each other's eye and we were just like, we're just, like we gave each other a knowing look like what is that like what is going on with yeah. this dude that doesn't happen so much at work for me but I hear a lot of buzz speak a lot of deep dives a lot of circle back circle back a lot we've of we've talked uh, about that on one of these before yeah a lot of uh, loop you in yeah we'll loop yeah. Jake in on this he was out on vacation last week mm-hmm. we did a deep dive on X project we'll catch him up on a high level we'll loop him in and catch him up and then uh, you know We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this offline later. There's too much of that, man. There's too much. You know what? I get caught up in it, though. I do, too. Because you sound like you know the parlance. That's the thing, is if you talk that way, you sound like you get it. Dude, and all any of it is is just people faking their way through it. Of course it is. And everyone pretending like they know what they're doing, know what they're saying. Of course it is. And that kind of language lends itself to sounding smarter and sounding like you know what you're talking about. It's just about. a bunch of bullshit. That, that's all professional world that's all the professional world is if you talk that way outside of work you like kind of fuck you you're an asshole like that's pretty it's stupid you're, yeah like I, I sometimes catch myself a little bit like i'll say start to like almost lean into one of those phrases mm. and then i have to say no 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 mm. jake you're not in the office that's don't right. say don't say a bug on my laptop mm. don't say uh loop you in when you're talking about like party plans whoops we're falling apart at the we are here. we are uh when I get started. Yeah, I, let me just take a quick scan through what we have. A look-see? Yeah, a look-see here. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling solid. Okay. I took a look-see. Okay. Did you get a look-see? I did. Maybe okay. we... This is just a... You know, I'm just spitballing. Sure. This is just an out-of-left-field thing. Say, sure. You know, you don't have to say yes if you don't want. And I think we should maybe build on this idea. We changed the name of the podcast to just look-see. I don't hate it. Uh, okay, this just in, the listening podcast is now Looksy. Is it the Looksy podcast? No, Sean. It's just did you hit your head on my vaulted ceiling? Yeah, it's just Looksy. Do you want to move your chair? Uh, no, I'll just. Oh, actually, yeah, I will. Go ahead. I'll filibuster. Oh, to make already done. Butter and okay. Fluff. Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. All right, ready. Three, two, one.